0: Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So, if you have not joined us before and this is new to you, thank you so much for finding this podcast and welcome, welcome. If you've been here before, then you know my story. You know that I am mom to two daughters, one of whom passed away when she was 17. That was nearly nine years ago. Elizabeth died in 2013 from the complications of having mitochondrial disease. She was also profoundly intellectually disabled, a wheelchair user, and did not speak. So I come by my information and experience in the disability community pretty honestly. In addition to that, my other daughter, Caroline, being a sibling has had many uh, implications, impacts, what have you from growing up in this uh, crisis filled world and family that we lived in. And some long lasting impressions uh, from that as well. I wrote a book a while back, called Butterflies and Second Chances, a mom's memoir of love and loss, and started this podcast shortly thereafter, including um, a Facebook group, a private Facebook group called Circle of Care, which was meant to really be a home for anyone who is in the disability community or touches the disability community. Why am I doing all of this? Why do I do so many things? Surely none of this is making me money right now. I can tell you that this is not part of the professional side of me, which is attorney and advocate, trustee, guardian, etc. Um, but it is there because I have this passion for wanting to create something that didn't exist when my family was young, a community online that, Connects with information, resources, support, and so forth, and is not labeled for mitochondrial disease, for intellectual disability, for autism, for mental illness. It is for everybody. And I want us all to come together because when we do, when we share information and support, we really create. Power, a powerful entity. We create something that has a center and can move mountains. And so that is what I am working on right now. I am telling you all this because one of the themes of this podcast is sharing our stories. So important. And today, our guest is all about that. Um, and I am all about that. In addition, I wanted to tell you before I jump into our podcast for this week, I wanted to tell you about the next thing that we are doing at Special Needs Companies. I have created an online course on transition planning and a few others, which will roll out shortly, but this is the one that I am starting with. It's called a Transition Masterclass. And along with it is a group coaching program where you can join and become part of a cohort of people who are in the disability community. Again, not just a group for parents, not just a group for individuals impacted by disability, not just a group for professionals. It's a group for everybody to join and come together Whether you're a parent, a caregiver, an individual who needs this service and resources and support for yourself, somebody who's a caregiver, somebody in the disability community who works as a professional or maybe a volunteer, anyone who wants to be an ally to the disability community, this is for you. So this class slash course and group coaching program is meant to provide a cohort of peers for you to move through this coaching program with and then take out with you so that you have your own ready-made support group. I'm testing this now with a beta class and this beta test will hopefully um, by mid-August give us the information that we need to perfect it. I don't wanna roll this out to the public until it's perfect. I want it to meet everybody's needs. So I am being fanatical about the idea of testing. And um, if you are someone in the disability community who would like to be part of this test, please let me know by emailing us at hello at services.com. Thank you so much. For your support, always, always, always. Thank you for listening. Now, going forward today, I want to tell you about Kate Swenson, who has a new book, Forever Boy. It's about her family and how her son's autism has greatly impacted their family, but ultimately making them better people. The beautiful piece of this is that it's real, it's raw. But it's also, um, it's all about motherhood and unconditional love. And, you know, I hate that word inspiring, but it is, it's inspiring. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's her next step in her journey. She started a blog many years back called Finding Cooper's Voice. And she reached thousands of parents of children with autism through that blog as she chronicled her son Cooper's existence, his life and their family's life together. This story is a beautiful memoir, not done yet, obviously, because Cooper is still a a young person, but it's so unique in its approach. And I know that there's a lot of books out there, Um, but, when you feel like you're the only person on this planet going through this unique thing, you can reach out and read this book and read um, the blog posts at Kate Swenson's uh, website. And, you know, I really think that you are going to resonate with this, whether you have autism in your life or not. I hope that you'll reach out and read forever boy. And that this cute little blonde boy um, impacts you in a positive way. And as Kate likes to say, next time you see autism, choose grace and kindness. And this book will help you do that. She has just enormous positive reviews on this book. um, And I personally found it to be very engaging. And again, don't love that word inspiring, but, um, but it is, it's an inspiring book and it will really make you laugh and cry. Um, and so Kate lives in Minnesota with her family of six and she was wonderful to interview. So here we go i am so excited today that we have kate swenson with us she is a mom an author and just an extraordinary person so i am super excited thank you for joining us
1: kate thanks for having me
0: so um i went through your blog hadn't really seen it before a few months ago when we started trying to coordinate having you on the show and It really resonates with me as a parent of a child with a disability and so many things that you were feeling and expressing. And of course, all of the same things that came out in your book, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, they just landed for me. Um, Obviously, I would love for you to just introduce yourself and your family to our audience because this is where it all starts, right?
1: Yeah, so I am Kate. I'm from Minnesota. I have four kids. Cooper's 11 and he is my kiddo with autism. I have Sawyer who's nine, Harbour who's three, and then a baby who just turned one a couple days ago. Her name is Winnie. So we have a really busy life in general. Um, One thing I always like to say is I have four kids. I don't have three kids and one with autism. I think people assume and think that you know I parent them differently or think differently nope they're all my little monsters and they're all wonderful and perfect <laughs> and I'm a you know a writer a blogger and I hate the word influencer but I that's sort of some of the things I do I worked my career in nonprofit and then I moved to PBS the TV station and adored it but after I had my third baby I started um, you know, being able to make a living on Facebook and earn money in other ways. And I was like, well, why am I doing both? I can't do both and mother. Right. I can't. I can hardly do mothering. So um quit my job, took a leap of faith, and my husband's a self-employed insurance agent. So it was a big leap for us. Wow. And it, it's been very positive. It's been besides having no balance, um, it's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. So
0: that's a job that you do all the time, right? And it's kind of hard to say, okay, it's five o'clock. I'm done today. um, And I always like to tell people it's not about work-life balance. It's about work-life integration. So yeah, as a parent who lives this life, but also works in this life, it's really all about integrating the pieces of your professional life to your personal life and your family life and your spiritual life and all of those things and figuring out where that all fits, because there's just no such thing as balance. I never found it anyway. I I just don't think that it's realistic.
1: Yes. That's a really good. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm.
0: So I am super excited to, you know, chat with you today about your book, but let's take it back a little bit to when cooper your son was first born you know how just kind of talk about some of the feelings and emotions that you were experiencing that you do write about Mm -hmm.
1: i was so excited to have a baby i mean it was i just became obsessed after getting married I, i was so excited to be a mom still am i have four kids obviously love love the baby kid life um but um pretty traumatic delivery and i hear that from a lot of other moms that's kind of an interesting like thing that uh, you know combines a lot of us um yeah and you know he was really struggling to breathe and he was a big boy and struggling to come out and when he was finally out and in my arms and the nurses left the room and my husband and i were like looking at him and i remember he was the softest thing i'd ever felt ever he was just so soft and he looked so confused and he looked scared and like, he didn't know he was supposed to nurse and he didn't know he was supposed to snuggle in. It was just, you know, right away. I had been around kids a lot and it, something immediately felt just a little bit. Um, I never know what word to use off, amiss, different, just something just felt like it was going on. Yeah. And it didn't go away. So, um, went home and he really struggled to nurse and he struggled to sleep never slept had to um you know pump and bottle feed instead he has pretty severe apraxia we obviously didn't know at the time but he couldn't ever figure out a latch so right away he just seemed like a really anxious baby and my husband didn't know any different because it was the first baby he'd ever been around but i was like something's going on here and i i talked to my pediatrician about it right away my mom my mother-in-law and no one really took me seriously right you thought i was a first time mom and you know as time went on he, he was meeting some of his physical milestones and we settled into parenting and we but you know cooper was the boss he was a he demanded a certain life and you know we had to we had to really make it work and um just turn our our world upside down of course so much love and so much joy but um, it was hard in the beginning yeah
0: you mm-hmm. talked about um, how you were looking for someone to relate to, and that you had a lot of feelings of loneliness after
1: your diagnosis. Can you just talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, so I have a story. I don't know if it made the book, but I was pregnant with my third son, and we had just moved into a new neighborhood. Cooper would have been seven. And he was um, entirely nonverbal at that point. So no spoken words at all and really didn't have many approximations. He just was just really happy and content and did his own thing and kept to himself. And we moved moving this new neighborhood with like 50 kids. And like, so I mean, it was like just your dream neighborhood. Mm. And my husband was immediately in the garage, you know, drinking beers with the neighbor dads and <laughs> um, all the moms were outside and Cooper wouldn't let me go outside. He wouldn't let me. He needed me to be in the house with him, and our our then five year old was outside, and he'd be gone for you know a tw- joke twelve hours at a time, you know, playing and just checking in for a snack and a drink, and I cried for a week straight, and I was pregnant, but I, so it could have been hormonal too, but I was sitting on the couch, and, and Cooper would not engage with me at all, and I was like, "Is this it? Is this is this the rest of my life? You know, just wanting so much for this adorable." beautiful little boy to play with mm-hmm. me and talk with me. And the loneliness is hard to describe and it's hard to really talk about because there's judgment that comes with that. And I don't, yeah. I, don't I like to shy away from that, the, the negative parts, but I could, I, I could see him and I could touch him and I could smell him, but I couldn't reach him. And it's sense changed to give parents hope, but it was a really lonely time for me a lot of those years. Mm-hmm.
0: And you didn't feel like you had, anybody to talk to, I mean, you talk about creating a place where people feel understood and heard. I so resonate with that, by the way. And, you know, it was just something that you needed, but you didn't have it. So you've created it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, that's, it's, it's so it's so interesting really...
1: when they say, I mean, so Cooper has autism and the numbers, you know, everyone says a different number, but one in 44, it's like, well, where are they? You know i'm in my i'm stuck in my home with three locks on every doors and locked windows and alarms to keep him safe and keep him alive and you know i'm peering out my window like where is everybody so yeah i had to create it because i'm a social person and i'm an empath and i need other people and i just wanted to find one mom that i could just text at 3 a.m and be like this is hard or you know and i feel like so many people in our lives have good intentions Wonderful people, but they're trying to fix or they're trying to rush you through or they're trying to gloss over. And it's like, I can't do that my whole life. I gotta just live in this. Yeah,
0: people have a hard time getting real with some of the things when you have a child with a profound disability like we do. They do it's very difficult for people. I'd love to chat with you a little bit about the autism community because you are, you know, an influencer, you're which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, got amazing rave reviews, lots of reviews already. It's been out like two months. And, you know, um, you've got a lot of subscribers to your blog and all kinds of things like that. But there is definitely a rift in the autism community. And I've done some interviews over the last year, um, from, you know, what we call our self advocates to people with um, children who have more profound disabilities. So what is your um, sense of kind of where you fit in? And also, um, you know, what do you have to say about the fact that the autism community doesn't seem to really come together with one voice? And do they need to? I don't know.
1: Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I really feel is that there's room on the internet and in the world for all of our voices. Like, I think we absolutely need self advocates that can guide and teach and tell us and help us as parents. I think we also need parents on the other side, and we need teachers, we need therapists, we need all these different voices. Right. Um, one thing that I really do don't like is the angry advocacy. And that's not necessarily just from one one of the sides. I see a lot of angry advocacy and I don't want to live that life. I don't want to live in an angry place just for my own mental health. Like I'm not going to be angry at the schools or angry at this, or I can't do that. It's not good for me. I'm again, empath too, <laughs> too sensitive. So I, um, i really tried to speak about my son in a respectful way and in the beginning i made some mistakes i fully um accept that um but what i try to um, spin the the conversation to is there are caregivers in the beginning of this journey and mothers and fathers who have no support right and that's where the problem is that's where it lies so i made mistakes in the beginning with what i shared and what i said but I had no one helping me. There was no one, you know, you know, doors locked, aggression, self-injuring, screaming, you know, you call social services, you call help and no one comes. And I think we can't forget those people. We can't forget those mamas and those dads that are going through that. So I try to walk a very straight line and stay in my own lane and bring in self-advocates when they want to collaborate Right. And, um, lift up moms and dads that need a support system. I try to do that as best as I can. I get left alone a lot of the times now because I, I won't fight. I'm not a fighter about it anymore.
0: But it's true that they really do try to draw you in. And, you know, I, I was wondering if you had haters and, you know, negativity coming at you. I certainly, there are people out there who feel that we shouldn't share anything about our children.
1: Yep. Disabled or not. Disabled or not. Yep.
0: And, um, I, you know, definitely understand that and, you know, can appreciate the fact that our, yes, our children don't have voices. Um, they can't say, no, don't put my picture up, mom, you know, don't talk about this mom. But I feel that, that's stealing my voice, you know, and I need to have that voice and I need to express myself because there were days when I felt like I was going crazy and I was raising my kiddos at a time when we didn't have this luxury of being able to connect electronically. If you couldn't get out to a meeting to yeah. meet other parents, you just, you know, you didn't meet anybody. And I couldn't. Stopped. Yeah. So we now, like, through this wonderful medium that we have, we can reach that mom in North Dakota, and Mm -hmm. Alaska, and, you know, in rural Florida, and wherever. And it's, it's amazing that we can all connect around common grounds.
1: Well, and I think what I truly believe in my heart is that I, and Cooper, have made such a difference in the world of autism. For people that had no idea, that never heard of it, don't know a person with autism. They see this little boy doing these confusing, funny, amazing, awesome things, all of it mixed together. And next time they're at the grocery store or school, they're not afraid they're not judging They're they, they understand. And, and I really think that he has made such a difference in the world from his little house here, yeah. that um, if I was to, you know, I could stop talking about autism, I suppose I could. But I think it would leave a big void in the world of advocacy. And I, I, I just that feels so wrong to me to not share him. He's, I mean, it just feels so wrong.
0: So take me back then to that first moment when you decided to go from being your mom self to putting yourself and your family
1: out there. Well, I started that first decision yeah so i started um it's actually you know kind of a two-part thing really because i i started with a wordpress site a million years ago cooper would have been i started when he was like three so he wasn't diagnosed yet but i knew something was going on so i started and it was just kind of some really raw writing and i didn't change it or share it with anybody i just wrote and press publish and maybe five people read it but then when i started to decided to start a facebook page that's when i really grew. And that would have been probably four and a half years ago. And I actually followed a woman who made videos every day. She called it coffee talk and she made videos and she talked about narcissism and relationships and different things. And every morning at work, I would listen to her videos at my desk and it was really powerful for me. And I thought, why can't I just talk about some of these feelings that I'm having and I'll tell you I truly didn't believe that I could say anything offensive I knew nothing of negativity in the community I knew nothing of hate towards mommy bloggers I was so naive I mean we're talking the most <laughs> and I didn't know what I could say could ever offend anybody you know for me saying like you know a topic maybe have been like you know I'm really sad my son may never speak to me I didn't know that could be offensive so it was a big crash course for me and I don't regret it in any way none um but it was a learning curve
0: Mm-hmm. and why would somebody be offended at that comment
1: well because I mean he's not meant to to talk so I would be wanting to change him if I wanted him to speak yeah I mean, I, I mean, it's all bizarre, but yes. Yeah, so when I first started getting, I remember I put some of it in the book when I first started getting some hate, I mean, it was like genuinely like, what? <laughs> like what are yeah. I do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially since you're doing this from the bottom of your heart, it's not like you are really, at least at that time, you weren't really making a living doing None. all of this. So it was just you trying to get your feelings out there and maybe connecting with other people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then, so your, your blog and your Facebook page start to grow. And what, when did you pivot and say, Hey, I really have something here, you know, and decided that you were going in that direction of, I'm going to quit my job. This is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, first of all, what was the trigger? And then, you know, how's that been going for you so far?
1: Well, I never knew. I mean, I had no idea that you could make money online. I mean, it was, I heard about like YouTubers. I mean, that was, and I actually tried YouTube for a while. I have some followers over there, but that was a scary audience. People, (laughs) YouTube is very scary. I've seen some of the most vile things over there. So I was like, nope, not for me. But I had a few things go viral right away. I had um, an incident at a special needs park that went viral. I had, um, I won a contest to meet Jimmy Fallon that went viral. Um, And then I had my video in my car, which was my lowest point that I go in depth about the book in the book. And that went super viral. Like that was on a today show. And that really just kind of like put me into a whole different category, but I still wasn't, earning any revenue or earning any income or anything. I was, I just had a huge audience. And uh, I was pregnant with my son three years ago, cause he's three now. And Facebook reached out to me and they asked me if I wanted to try some other programs and just beta test some other things. And I said, yes. And that's when I made that switch to earning some 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 money online. And I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go for it. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been a wild ride.
0: Yeah. So tell us about that low moment in the car.
1: Yeah. So we brought Cooper, um, so I worked for PBS and we, um, there was an event at a local mall that Elmo was coming to see or Elmo was coming to the mall. And, um, I knew Cooper wanted to go. He loved Elmo so much, but I didn't know if he could go because it was walking in a wide open space and waiting in line and, and um, I remember I had like a thousand Facebook followers because I asked them online. I was like, should I bring Cooper to go? And people were like, do it, you know, do it really motivating me very sweetly. And we went and it was a just a really hard, hard, hard and lots of judgment, lots of stares, self-injuring, running, screaming. And, you know, he wanted to be there. But at that point, we didn't fully understand anxiety and anxiety prevented him from enjoying the things that he loved the most. We now understand that again, back to that grace and understanding, and right. We you know better, but we didn't know. And I went home that night and I just finally saw that this was forever. It wasn't going to go away and it may not get substantially better it may always be hard and i hit my low point and i thought about the future and him at 20 and 30 and 40 and i let myself go to those places i hadn't Uh before and then it's the worst and then i went to when who's going to take care of him after i die like who is going to and that was my, my lowest and this all happened i stayed up all night and i went to work and i parked in the parking lot and i made a video and i just i cried the one and only time i've ever cried online and I uh, put my phone away went into work and when I came out it had went viral already and it just shows you how many people this resonated with I mean oh my
0: god yes yeah.
1: yeah and for the first you know million views it was 100 percent positive it wasn't until it reached the depths of the internet that it just got you know icky but I don't regret it at all I don't because it shows the places that parents go to when they have little support and they're not sleeping and they're isolated. And I think it was really powerful for a lot of people. Very polarizing.
0: Mm, so good. Tell I show it
1: during all my public speaking. I show that video. I have to cover my eyes. It's embarrassing, but I show it. <laughs> it's really important.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me when you decided to write this book. What was your inspiration to go from blogging and doing your videos to writing this book?
1: Well, I have a fun story. So I had a woman who always commented on my lives. Her name is Rosemarie. She lives in New York. And she's like, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. And you know, you hear a lot of things online. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And she's like, my neighbor is an agent. So just for fun, I flew out there and met with her friend who was the agent. And I uh, ended up signing a contract with her and um, right before COVID, it was right before, COVID wasn't even a word yet, I wrote my proposal and we pitched it and uh, imprint of HarperCollins bought it mm-hmm. and it was actually going to be a self-help book is how it started, is how I sold it. And um, I signed my contract on a Friday and on Sunday, the whole world shut down. Schools, therapy, three ki- or two kids home, pregnant with number three. Um, oh, no, 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 sorry. Three kids home, pregnant number four. And I had six months to write 60,000 words. And I was terrified because we're homeschooling. There's no break. Everyone's yeah. home. The whole new world, really. And um, I had a lot of, I mean, it was scary. Writing a book is way different than blogging. I'll tell you that. but. Exactly. I am so proud of how it turned out. I think it's just a beautiful story and an easy read. And I've had, I mean, seriously, the feedback's been 99.99% positive.
0: Yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, We're, audience, we're going to have all of the links in our show notes. But um, I, I cannot recommend this more than, you know, this is just a tremendous book. And you will connect with Kate. With something.
1: Her, There's something in there, yes, right? You will. You will.
0: Yeah. You will. I mean, it's sad. It's funny. It's touching. It's, you feel like you're getting advice from your best friend over a cup of coffee. You know, it's great. It's really, really great. And the writing is so good. It's very, it is actually very different. It's, it seems like such a different style than from what we're used to seeing in your blogs. So did you sort of change your mindset a bit when you sat down to write the book? Because it seems a little bit, just a, diff, a, a little bit of a different voice. And of course, it is different than blogging, but.
1: No, well, so the way I look at it, I get asked this a lot is, um, the reason, you know, why I wrote the book is because when you're blogging, it's little snippets. And what I don't like about that is, and and it's why I'm kind of tight lipped online, because I don't want to write about medications in a two paragraph thing. I don't want to write about aggression or self-injury because Joe pops in from over here and thinks naughty kid, bad parenting, terrible child. I don't like that. I can't control yeah. the narrative, if that makes sense. Yeah. great, it's wonderful, but It's hard to get into any meat when you're just blogging. And with the book, I was able to tie it all together from start to finish and I really enjoyed that because you know, I was worried, I write about aggression and we had some hard times and I don't normally talk about that. And I was like, am I gonna get negative feedback? Am I gonna get, and I haven't gotten any, I'm knocking on wood because I think I, I show how much he was struggling and how much we were trying to help him. I was able to tell the whole story.
0: Yeah. And there's so many positives in there too. It's not just about, Oh, you know, poor us. We're dealing no. with autism. It's, it's all about, it's, it is a kind of a self-help guide too in a lot of ways. I mean, I thought the book was extremely compassionate and, you know, surprisingly, there was a lot of joy in there. So talk to me about that. Where do you find your moments of joy?
1: Well, I wasn't joyful for a while. I wasn't when I had that hardest time. I mean, I so spoiler alert, my husband, and I went through a divorce, I was living alone with, you know, doors locked thinking I was going to be alone forever and die alone. I mean, I used to say, if I met someone, I'm like, Yeah, I'm broken, you know, I truly believe that and i i had a series of events that happened not to give too much away but where i realized i was missing my life my kid's life being sad like that's yes. not me. like i'm like i am like the happiest person actually And i'll tell you i just met with a videographer because i wanted a book trailer which is this new thing that they do and the videographer was kind of quirky and he was like i don't believe a word you're saying because you're so happy yeah um okay (laughs) I'm not going to go with you but I don't feel like we have I I I was negative I was heartbroken and um but after this series of events that I go into in the book it's like there is so much joy here there are such beautiful lives there's some so many great parts to this that I'm living and I'm not going to miss it yeah yeah
0: I totally went through that. I'm, I'm sorry to keep saying this, but I really, like, really, we could be sisters from a different generation. Yeah. I totally went through this. And there was an aha moment for me where I just got to a point like, we're, we're not going to be living to wait to die or living, waiting for the other shoe to drop. We just have to do things like a normal family. We're going to go out to the park in the zoo. And yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to yep. stink. And, you know, I single parented for for a decade, literally, um, before I got married again. And and it was hard, mm-hmm. but we did it and we went on little trips and we and I, I decided that I needed to spend time with each child differently. Yeah, yeah. so I wanted to ask you about that, Kate. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. about the siblings? You know, yeah.
1: how does this wanna, all fit in? I want to touch on that. But, but that's something you just said is. If someone was to pop in our lives and watch, you know, through the window, if we're out or whatever we're doing, our best days are probably still someone's hardest days. But for us, they're like the best. Like, you know, we went to to a grad party the other day and we were able to stay for an hour and a half. I mean cooper was able to stay for an hour and a half it was like you have goosebumps because it was so powerful that we were there with your family and jamie and i had to stand right by him the whole time but he sat and he watched his ipad and he ate jelly beans and you know someone probably watching us would probably be like what's sad they had to leave and they couldn't mingle and it's like oh my gosh we're here (laughs) so i think it's mindset it's mindset um siblings so we have three other kids we are a very very um busy family but i will say i had and it still creeps in a lot of sibling guilt and i talk a lot about this in the book yes i have a son that's two years younger than cooper who is just an absolutely amazing kid and um i don't have pictures from his first birthday i don't remember his first birthday um i'm sure they're there But we were in full-blown crisis and I was bringing this up yesterday because we had a birthday party for our fourth and I'm like I have so much guilt and you know I spent the night looking through photos and he had the most beautiful life. He has the most beautiful life right but we beat ourselves up in areas that were the most Mm -hmm. vulnerable right. So um, it's taken me a long time to not feel guilty about those early years but if I shift my mindset again yes, we were always home. Yes, we couldn't travel. Yes, we couldn't go anywhere. But that means I built a lot of forts. And I played a yeah. lot of Nerf guns. And I played a lot of Legos because yeah. it was just us. No, we didn't have play dates. No, we couldn't have people in our home. But so um, the sibling thing has been probably the hardest for me to, to grow in and figure out. My two younger kids, I don't have any of that because life is just easier now. And they are so great with Cooper and Cooper, you know, they just, they're like ships in the night. And sometimes the ships bump into each other and Cooper is gentle with them and kind. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. And it's probably the question I'm most commonly asked is about Mm -hmm. siblings. Mm -hmm. Do you find time, individual time for each of them? So that's our biggest thing that we do. So Sawyer, our second kiddo is in three different sports leagues. Oh my gosh. So a lot of time. We have finally figured out the para aid babysitter whatever you call it respite here. So we have two college girls that help us that may watch Cooper or stay with, Co- you know, we we've we work really hard to give everyone their own time. Where we struggle is my husband and I. We have no quality time really, because it's always one kid with us or two kids or three.
0: So you mentioned going through a divorce. Do you want to catch the audience up on your life now?
1: And what happens then? Yeah, so my husband and I got divorced and you can read all about that in the book. I'm very honest about it. And I think one thing I'm proud of is it's there's no finger pointing. It's we both made a lot of mistakes and neither of us are really wrong and neither of us are really right. It's kind of one of those funny things. And then uh, it was about a year and a half. After we got remarried to each other mm-hmm. and went on to have two more kids and it's, we no longer have any disagreements about autism or Cooper. We, we really come to the table as equals now.
0: And what kind of work did you have to do between the two of you to get to that place?
1: Well, we really dove into the love languages. I laugh about that because that was, and people bring that up to me. The love languages is a big thing for us because we're very, very different. Yeah. Um, right after we got back together, we had a designated date night. Every Thursday we would go out. It was super important to us. We'd grocery shop or go for a walk or have dinner or just like six hours away. That was really good for us. Um, learning to listen to each other, learning to share duties. There is so much work that goes into oh um, disability. God, yes. and, and for anyone that oh. doesn't understand that, I call it the business side of autism. It's It's a full-time job. Yeah. and I was very resentful because I was doing all of it and um then I would give some things to him then I was angry that he wasn't doing it as good as me like I have this memory of being like I need you to call the insurance company and I need you to say this and when they say no say this and when they yeah. say no again ask the supervisor so like later that night I was like how'd it go and he's like I didn't get anywhere and I'm like what <laughs> no, I have to do it uh but it's so much work and if I can take one piece of advice, share some of it, give some of that weight to your partner, if you can. Mm
0: -hmm. And even people outside of your immediate family,
1: if they're there
0: and can stand up for you. Absolutely. So um, one of the reviews I thought was fantastic, because it said that you were basically pulling the curtain back on autism. Wow. That was, that's really powerful. And, Mm -hmm. um, What about autism do you think that people don't realize or don't really know because it's, autism is really everywhere now. I mean, you know, it's certainly much more widely talked about than it ever was when my kids were younger, you know, 20, 25 years ago. But pulling back
1: that curtain, what does that mean to you? Well, where I, worry and I think it's gotten better but when Cooper was diagnosed seven years ago eight years ago and I googled autism it was the autistic kiddo being the prom king and it was you know a autistic child with profound autism rocking and self-injuring there was no middle yeah, and I think that still happens even today. So people know Rain Man or they know atypical or the good doctor. And I want the world to know that there's a whole other side. There's a whole other world out here. And you may not see it because we're in our homes. And yeah. you don't see our kids because they're in different classrooms at school. And it's important that we talk about it and pull the veil back and share um, that their kids like everybody else. They have bright futures. Um, the world doesn't end with a diagnosis, but there are really hard parts, and we do need some accommodations and we need some grace and kindness. And I think just by starting a conversation, one of my messages I say every day is you don't need a blog, you don't need a book, just start talking about autism. Your cashier, your mailman, your grandma, your aunt, just start a conversation. So beautiful. Yeah.
0: When you look at, um, what you've done with the audience that you've collected do you feel like you have become this great advocate for autism
1: i don't know i don't know if anyone really thinks that you know i think what's so powerful for me is i had a woman email me and she was telling me how she was in the grocery store and she saw a young man with a headphone you know big um, ear protection on and um, dressed a little funny and stomping his feet. And she's like, I helped the mom. Like, she's like, I, the mom needed help and I could do that because I had seen Cooper. And I'm like, I did my. There you go. Yep. Or um, I get a lot of messages from moms that are at their bottom. You know, I was on the floor crying. I found your Facebook page and I feel like it's been a lifeline for me. Like, that's it. That's what you need.
0: How do you find time for self care? This is something I came to so late in raising my kids. Like it was way too late.
1: Well, it's funny. I just messaged my friend. um, I have a friend who's a blogger, Adrian from Tales of an Educated Debutant. We were talking today and I was like, do you have any hobbies? She's an autistic son too. And she's like, no, being alone. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. And I was like, I don't have any hobbies either. Um, Because writing used to be my hobby you know, talking about autism was my hobby. And now it's not. I mean, now it's, it's It's different. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, self-care is hard for me. Um, I don't, I don't really have much, but I recently did go on a health journey and I lost a bunch of my baby weight. So I'm really focusing on that and trying to- Get healthy because I'm scared of getting older. I have a dad who is aging and had a stroke, and it really hit me hard. And I'm like, I don't want to get older. So I'm focusing on my health, and I think that's been a good switch for me. Hmm. That's excellent. What does your husband do
0: for self-care? Well, he is a million better hobbies.
1: at this. Yeah, he has a million hobbies and lets me know that he has so many hobbies that he can't do. <laughs> 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 um, he does a lot of sports with Sawyer. Uh, and he's a hunter and a fisherman and a boater. But, you know, four kids is no joke. It's, right. it's, a, it's a dance that we haven't quite figured out yet. And even with babysitters, you know, we're trying so hard, but babysitters are expensive and finding someone we can trust and who's yeah. available. So we're at, a, we're at a tough time of our life. I call it a season of life. It's a little challenging and I won't sugarcoat that, but like yesterday we had this beautiful party for our daughter and there were, we were surrounded by family and friends and it was so fun. And Cooper spent five hours. Yeah. He was like right in the mix and it was just this beautiful day and that get carried you through.
0: Absolutely. Those beautiful days, those beautiful minutes, it does take you through to the next time for sure. Um, you wrote this beautiful list in one of your blog posts um, that was titled grief is love. So I love that because I, I've experienced loss and I felt like having my daughter, Elizabeth, there were so many losses. There was so much grief throughout the years, um, especially for her, cause she had a degenerative disease. So it was just like, felt like it kept hitting me over and over again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't grieve If you don't love and I just really enjoyed that blog post a lot Um, what inspired you to write about grief and love together like that
1: well it's so you know I mean I'm sure you're aware you know grief is a taboo subject in the special needs world and it's very much real And it's, do you follow Eileen Lamb? She's a really powerful self-advocate that I have a lot of respect for and just adore. And she talks a lot. And so for anyone that's listening, she's an autistic self-advocate with two autistic children, one profound and one um, more mild on the spectrum. And she talks a lot about you know how we love our children more than anything and we can still be sad they may never talk or have an easy life or struggle right. you know, all these different things and it was really help it helped me put things into words i don't grieve cooper i mean cooper is the best and he's the happiest human i know but when i you know watch him try to enjoy something and, it, and he has to self-injure and hurt himself because he doesn't know how to enjoy it that that's hard Hard And, and it's it's loving him so much and seeing him in pain that's it all it's all the same thing
0: right I have trouble with this a lot because I know that there are a lot of disability advocates out there that want us to just accept people for who they are and this was the way they were meant to be um yet you know, I would change in a heartbeat, all of the pain that my daughter went through with all of her medical issues and the yeah. surgeries. And, you know, and then, you know, she went through a lot her last year before she died, like, absolutely, I would change that in a second. And it's not about just wanting to hear her call me mommy, which, of course, I still feel that as well. Like she never spoke to me mm-hmm. in her 17 years. It, And that's okay. I still loved the person that she was. I still adored everything about her and I still had such great respect for her presence in the world. She drew people to her. She changed lives, you know, but I agree that these things can all exist at the same time.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I have a quote in the book that I get quoted back to me a lot in interviews. And it's um, when you enter the world, especially as parenting, you're, happiest days may also be your saddest and people ask me what that means and what that means is you know when my um my then one-year-old said mom for the first time it was amazing but his eight year old brother had never said it so there's things can be both i talk a lot about um it's not or it's and and that's so important to know for, for parents of newly diagnosed kids, you're going to have all these feelings and they're OK to have, you know, immense joy and love and sadness and all these different things at the same time.
0: They all coexist. And you can even be angry, too. It's OK. Oh, yeah. to be mad.
1: And jealous. It's totally. I went through a yeah. big jealous phase. Um, I still have it. Now and again, it'll like you know we can't travel that we're just not there yet, and mm-hmm. or when I see families effortlessly go to sporting events, you know I'm I, I'm envious. I it's not fair, and I just spoke to a friend who's going through infertility, and she's like I shouldn't be angry, and I was like Why not? I'm like you're allowed to be angry. Life's not fair. I mean don't want it don't want it wreck your day forever, but feel it, feel it, and embrace it. And I think that's when you start to heal. Absolutely.
0: So, I of course went way over time because I just am adoring talking to you. Um, I cannot leave this conversation though without asking you for that one piece of advice that you'd like to say to that newly diagnosed parent. You know, mm-hmm. what would you like to say to that new mama and daddy?
1: Mm-hmm so those beginning years are really hard because you have to figure out everything and I mean you have to teach your child everything and the mountain feels high and you're carrying your child on your back uphill Mm -hmm. uh the the piece of advice is try one more thing always try one more thing and what i mean by that is i can tell you a dozen times i would be standing in a hallway and every door would slam in our face there was no program for cooper there was no way to get him to communicate there was no way to help him go the bathroom there was no way no no way and i would give up for a night. And then the next morning, I would try one more thing. And you can't give up on your kids because there's no one else that's going to fight for them like you are. So mm-hmm. remember, it's okay to hit your bottom. It's okay to have hard days and be angry and sad and jealous. But the next morning, get up and try another thing. Research, educate yes. yourself. Cool. another parent.
0: Yes, that's beautiful, Kate. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. I was so excited that you could come on the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for everything you do for all of us out here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Well, friends, remember that I'm going to have a link to um, both the blog, Finding Finding Cooper's Voice, and her website. And also, please check out her book, Forever Boy. It's gotten rave reviews for a reason. It's awesome. And it will really bring you into Kate and Cooper's world. So thank you so much for being on the show, Kate. Have a good night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them. And I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.